This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Morning, good morning. How are we doing? Not good? How are we doing? All right. So I think it's a little ironic that they have me in a Fixer Upper series. Most of you know that I'm not that handy. I have three tools to my name. I can only name two of them. Um, Like when things in my house break, they tend to just kind of like stay broken. Um, Which sometimes works out because instead of a bathroom, I have like a really cozy reading room with the sink. but part of, So part of the issue, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but guys, seriously, Home Depot and Lowe's, seriously, how do you find anything in those stores? So I'm there like, I'm there, there two months ago, and I like Home Depot, but mostly just because I like scavenger hunts, and I find that the two are pretty similar experiences. So I'm there like two months ago, and I'm trying to find caution tape for the Easter egg hunt. And I figure, you know, I block out an hour for this, because that's how long it takes me to find something in Home Depot. Um, and so I'm giving it the good old college try. It's been about 25 minutes, right? Going through, you do the laps. You're like, maybe I'll find it naturally, organically. No, it's not going to happen. Not for me. And so at this point, I'm looking for help. And I think the Home Depot workers know the difference between those who need help and those who are helpless. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it was the paint-covered flip-flops that gave it away, because I paint my flip-flops. Um, but they were like avoiding me like the plague. So finally, I cornered this one guy because he had like a clipboard and he had like numbers he was writing down. And I knew he couldn't go anywhere. So I'm like, all right, that's my guy. So I come up behind him, sneak up behind him. I'm like, dude, do you know where the caution tape is? And he's like, oh, that's easy. I'm so glad. <laughs> the last 30 minutes wasted. Um, he goes, yeah, you're going to want to go 200 meters down that wall. Which is great, because I have my meter stick right here. (laughs) I'm going to start measuring this out. So he saw I was a little bit confused. And he's like, oh, no, okay, well, if you hit the gigawatts, you've gone too far. Now, I don't know that he said gigawatts, but that's what I heard, and I didn't want to ask. I didn't want to be like, oh, what's that? Gigawatt. So I figure I'll just venture out. So I venture out, and I get to the place where the caution tape is, and I find it, and I'm so happy. And it's there's one roll left. And I'm like, man, it must have been a mad rush on caution tape this morning. And the one roll is in Spanish. And I'm like, okay, I gotta make a gut call here. Like, and in my mind, how my mind works is I'm like, this probably says, warning biochemical spill. <laughs> and I'm weighing this out, like, do I get it? Do I not? If I get it, we'll probably be fine. But what if we have Spanish-speaking visitors here for our Easter egg hunt? They're gonna seriously question our judgment about where we hold Easter egg hunts <laughs> if it does indeed say warning biochemical spill. Um, I say odd to say, remodeling is tough. Remodeling is hard. Mike pointed out the fact that if we're not remodeling, we're going backwards. We're decaying. 
we, we're going one direction or the other, okay? I'm not sure why I did this, but we're going, we're going forwards or we're going backwards. And so we want to be a people that's going forwards. And we're talking about how to remodel our lives, how God is interested in remodeling and renovating our lives. One of the ways that he does that, and don't hate me, guys. Don't hate me. One of the ways he does that is through an authority figure in our lives. And we don't want to hear that. It's actually one of the fastest, most effective ways that he remodels our lives is through a boss, through an authority figure, through a parent, through a governing authority, through a teacher, through a husband, through a pastor. This is one of his vehicles for remodeling our lives. Now, when I said that, you said two things, and you said it quietly. The first one was, oh, yuck. I don't like to hear that. And today, I'm really excited because I get to share with you and show you how that is totally normal. You should not be ashamed of that response. And we're talking about that, and I'm so excited. That's totally normal. So we can shelve the guilt, shelve the shame. If that's what you felt, I would expect that. The second thing you thought is, no, Nick, that can't be true. It can't be that he uses an authority figure because the authority figures in my life are not the most right people. I know the most right people. In fact, I can Google the most right people. And it's not my boss. It certainly isn't my husband. Not the governing authorities. Not my teacher. Why would he use them if they're not the most right? Now, I'll, I'll be the first to join you here. I would love me some Francis Chan, and that's all I got to listen to. That would be great. Some Andy Stanley. We're done. We're good. I would love that. I would love to try to find the most right people and just listen to them. But here's the deal. God's not interested in you finding the most right answer. He's interested in you having the most right heart. And so he's going to use authority to shape that. So when I say authority, see, it's an emotional thing. We get pretty emotional about authority. And when God uses authority, the emotions, it pulls junk out of our life to deal with. That's why it's pretty effective. I can prove this, okay? Let's pretend. Pretend with me. The NHL, National Hockey League, is selecting a brand new commissioner of the league. I mean, doesn't that kind of oh, get you kind of riled up? Kind of heated? Don't you want to participate in this? Have a voice, right? Probably not. Probably not. What if we go to Uber? Who drives Uber? Nobody? Nobody. One, we got one. Okay, the rest were abducted. It's all good. Yeah. Um, uh, um, so Uber, Uber is going to uh, uh, hire 20 new executives, top-level executives. Big news, right? I bet you're riled up, but you care a lot, right? I mean, you're following closely. You have a lot of opinions, right? Maybe, maybe for the one who drives Uber here, maybe. I don't know. Not a lot of us do. Now, let's go back in time. Let's go back last summer. What were we talking about last summer? Every single day, every single week, what were we talking about? Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Because I'm getting in on this one. Uh, why, when it was the president of the United States, did everybody everywhere have a thought, a feeling, and emotion? Why? Because we were electing a boss. 
We were electing an authority of our nation, and that invoked emotion. That invoked a response from us. We had an opinion. And this is precisely what God wants to use in your life to shape and to remodel. Um, So, the Bible gives us some really, really basic instructions. In fact, there's really like two basic instructions. And my guess is that he remodels our life through how we process why it's hard to do these two things. These two things. And then we begin to work through some of that muck, some of that mire, some of that refining as we try to do these two things. So, let's go to Scripture. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, open up to 1 Peter. If you're using a pew Bible, I shouldn't say pew, if you're using a Bible that's in the chair, it's page 1201. We're going to go to 1 Peter. I have a clicker for this. First Peter 2, 13 through 25. Now, all right, guys, this is Peter. This is the Peter. This is the Peter that denied Jesus three times. This is the Peter that Christ said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to start the church. And he did with the, with the apostles and the disciples. And this is that same Peter. This is the same Peter that in the Garden of Gethsemane cut off a centurion's ear. Now, what does the centurion represent? Authority. He represented the government. As soon as Peter goes to cut off the ear of the centurion, Jesus picks up the ear, heals it, and said, Peter, stop. Don't do that. And Peter thought this was the time. You know, this, this is where it's going to happen. Part of me wants to make fun of Peter a little bit because he had all of the centurion to hit and he only got the ear. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not joining Peter's archery team. Like, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but so a quick sub point, because I could not catch this, a quick sub point. Peter's going to talk about authority here, but Peter had trouble with authority. Can you, if you have failure in an area, can you still, if you have public failure in an area, can you still talk about that area later in life? Can it be redeemed and can you teach about it later? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Peter proves that. Failure in your marriage, failure at work, failure in a relationship, failure with your kids. You can absolutely, in fact, if you had some type of failure that's kind of notable, it's kind of public, you'll have more impact, most likely, than those who didn't. So Peter's going to talk to us about this. Um, so who he's writing to, this is, this is key. That's the, that's the guy writing it, Peter. Who he's writing to, these, he's writing to the church, and they were suffering, guys. This was the time of Nero. You know what Nero was doing with Christians, with believers? He was taking them, and he was putting them on poles, and he was lighting them on fire for his parties at night. And they were torches. That's who he's writing this to. That was their president. That was their boss. That was their authority. Let's read what he says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. 
love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And... I got the whole thing on the back one. So we read that, we read that, we read that portion of scripture, and then the first thing that we think, because, and I know you, if you don't think it, I think it. The first thing I think is that's great, that's awesome, but I mean I'm the exception. <laughs> I mean not me, not all the time. When I read that, I hear, listen to your authorities when they're right, but if they're not right, it's my job to convince you. Of, of what actually is right. Honor my authorities when they're doing something honorable. Otherwise, meh, you know, it, it's probably going to be my job to teach you what's honorable. That's what I think, right? I don't know if that pops into your head. The, um, this is completely, 100% normal. This is not odd. This is not weird. We should actually expect a response like this. Guys, if we go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we have Adam and we have Eve, and a lot of you know this story. Adam and Eve commit the first sin of mankind. What was that sin? It wasn't murder. Disobedience. Yes. It wasn't adultery. It wasn't stealing. It wasn't idolatry. It was disobedience to sin. I mean, not sin, disobedience to authority. Disobedience to authority. We can go back further. Who sinned before Adam and Eve? Satan. What was his sin? Disobedience. He didn't want to listen to what God's plan was. I think I have a better plan. I don't think you wrote this right. I've got a better idea. Is it any wonder that if this, this kind of original sin was disobedience to authority, that we would naturally struggle with authority? I mean, shouldn't that kind of be where we start? I'm going to struggle with authority. And then work backwards. So, I think there's a lot of freedom to, sh- to, to just shelve the guilt, shelve the shame, to talk about it, and say, you know what, I, yeah, this is tough. This is tough because it's on my nature to struggle with authority. Obedience to authority is going to be tough, but we should start from that position and then work backwards. So, but, 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 I know what you're saying. Nick, there are exceptions to listening to authority. And yes, there are exceptions to listening to authority. So we're going to talk about those exceptions really quick. Exceptions to the rule. First one. Moses. Moses was the exception to the rule. Pharaoh said, throw all the babies into the Nile and kill them. And what does Pharaoh's mother do? She half listens. She throws them into the Nile, but into a basket covered and protected, and Moses lived. Okay, so if Governor Wolf 
says, throw all your baby boys in the river and kill them. Don't do that, right? Stop. Save your child. Don't throw them in the river. Exception number one. Exception number two, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Dude, classic, classic. He says, bow down to a graven image. They say, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to praise and worship this graven image. You can't make us. Part of me wants to say, how much of us, and us I mean our society, is bowing down every day to devices um, and social media? I'm not sure. It's just my conviction. Um, But anyway, either way, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Yeah, don't do it. They didn't do it. They were spared. He threw them in the fire. They were spared. Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, chapter 3, Daniel. And you can find Daniel's story in Daniel chapter 6, where they say, Daniel, you can't pray anymore. Stop praying. And when they said stop praying, they meant all together, period. Like, no praying, period. And he goes, no, I'm still going to pray. Someone comes to you and says, you can't pray, period. Don't listen. You can break that rule. You can go pray. Rahab's lie. We all know about Rahab's lie. We don't all know about Rahab's lie. Um, Rahab had two, two of the spies that she protected before they took down Jericho, and the guys came to kill him, and she goes, no, they're not here. And then she was actually counted as righteous later in the Bible. It talks about her being righteous for her lie because she protected these men. So it comes down to this idea that we have um, exceptions to the rule when they're asking us to do things that are not biblical and are in direct defiance of God's word. We have an exception to that, okay? We don't have to do something that's in direct defiance with God's word. One more example. We have a New Testament example. Peter, we have Peter in Acts chapter 3 and 4. Peter goes, he heals a lame man. Oh man, it caused a huge, big stir. Like the fact that he healed this guy, everyone's hearts were stirring. Thousands came to know Christ. They lock him up and they say, don't do that. Don't talk about the things that you have seen. Peter's like, nope, that's not going to happen. I'm going to still talk about God. And he did. Um, and so, so we have these exceptions. What I would encourage you, um, by way of Esther, we have another great example in the Bible. Esther, she's in with King Xerxes, which is a horrible king. I mean, horrible, horrible king. Horrible ruler. And King Xerxes has his plan to kill all the Jews, and she knows about it, and she's trying to stop the plan. We don't have time to get into all that, because that's not what today's about. Um, But so patiently, so methodically, she works King Xerxes' heart out of the decision to kill all the Jews. It's so cool. Like She could have done it so much faster, and she didn't. Like She waited, and it worked. So if anything, I'd say try to pull an Esther... Um, uh, and, and, and use that avenue. Um, so, those are the actual exceptions. We have exceptions to the rule. We have our two, two basic understandings, two instructions from the text. I pull out of the text. We're trying to pull out the basic understanding of the text. So we go back to Peter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord, Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors. I hear, listen to authority. Then at the end, we have love the, 
Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor authority. Listen to authority. Honor authority. So, pretty hard. You think it's pretty basic, and a lot of us can listen to authority out of fear of consequence or hope of reward. I'm going to suggest that that's not a horrible response because it's good to listen to authority no matter what, but that's not the best. I would imagine that most of us have a hard time honoring authority with our hearts and with our words. And I want to give you one quick takeaway, one quick instruction, and four compelling reasons I found to listen to authority and to honor them in your heart and with your words. So um, I work at Christ Homes. A lot of you know I work at Christ Homes. And um, Christ Homes is an emergency shelter care. And my job as a program coordinator there is to supervise staff. Um, And so not too long ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I had this staff member, and I always felt like every time we talked, he was trying to not do what I was telling him to do. And, it, oh, and it's not Tom or Donna. They're here, too. <laughs> They're a little awkward. Not them. Push them off. They're amazing. They're phenomenal. They do everything. Um, and I always felt like it was a little, a little contentious between the two of us. And I'm like, oh. So I finally sat him down. And I said, I feel like we're not making any progress. And every time we talk, you want to do something different. And I feel like you're not going to listen to me, and I'm actually in charge. I need to know that you're going to listen to me. And I have this on a conversation. He goes, oh, Nick, I'm just trying to explain my concerns to you. And as a supervisor, I love to hear people's concerns. So I said, I want to hear your concerns. I want to figure out how to hear your concerns and still know that we're going to listen to the protocol, listen to the direction, listen to the vision. He came up with this idea I've loved it. I've used it with my bosses. He uses it all the time. It's pretty cool. He expresses his concerns and then says at the end, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to. I'll do whatever you say. Guys, it sounds so simple. The amount of freedom this has given us in our working relationship has been amazing. He does two things. He gives proper control to the person who has control, and he throws off all the responsibility of the outcome. It's no longer up to him. How this comes out is not up to him, because he said, I'm going to do whatever you, my boss, tell me to do. I've been doing it. Even if I don't say it out loud, I've said it in my heart first. I'm going to do whatever they say. I'm going to do whatever they say. I'm going to do whatever you say. It's been so freeing for me. So in working when foster care, emergency shelter care, um, we deal a lot with lawyers and judges and attorneys, caseworkers. And sometimes it's hard to figure out who's in control. So three weeks ago, this judge, one of my kids is in, in a courtroom, and I guess things didn't go as planned or whatever, but the judge, I'm not there. One of my house parents is there. And he threatens to fire my house parent on stand. Excuse me. 
So they call, they, my house parent comes back disheveled in tears, telling me what happened. I call up somebody in the courtroom, and I say, can he do that? He can't do that. He can't fire one of my staff members. So they relayed that message to him. They said, hey, Nick thinks you can't do that. I've never spoken to this man in my life. He says, I want to talk to Nick. Give me Nick's cell phone. Within an hour, this judge is calling my cell phone. So he said, he said so, so Nick, here you're upset. What'd you hear? He said, I heard you want to fire one of my staff members. And I said it with a quivering voice and shaking like crazy. And uh, he said, yeah, so let's talk about this. So not having a clue what was going on, not even knowing why it happened, because my staff member was sequestered, two days ago is when we spoke. I got to go to his private chambers up on the seventh floor of the Doylestown courthouse that oversees all of Doylestown. Let me tell you, it's the most intimidating office I've ever been in. The table goes for a mile, and he sits at the end of it, and you're like, he's like, pick a chair. <laughs> well, I'm good back here. Um, the story ended like so well. We got into this discussion, and it turns out there was a misunderstanding of an event that happened at the end. And I said to the judge, I said, Judge, what would you have us do? And he started giving advice. And I said, Judge, we're going to do what you say. By the way, do you want to come out and visit us? And he said, absolutely. I'm off next week. I'm on vacation. I'd love to pop up and meet the kids and meet the staff. And it ended really well. But remembering that, remembering, OK, he's in charge. It turns out he absolutely can fire one of my staff. I did not know that. So that was good to know that. Um, <laughs> and that God covered me and us and all of us. So, and he didn't want anyone fired. It was a really good conversation. And he said, my goal was to make you guys the best organization you could ever be. That was my goal. And that was a really, really, really good goal. But my initial response to authority was, ah, can they really do that? So that's been helpful for me to say. In my heart first, I'm going to do what they say because they're in control. I'm transferring responsibility to them. I'm putting them in control. I'm then giving them the freedom to be the authority. That's been so helpful. That's been so freeing. And maybe you can come up with something different saying and, and, and say it a different way. Um, so four compelling reasons to listen to authority. Listen in honor. Here we go. Scripture tells us right there, right there, verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority. For the Lord's sake. You know one of the reasons why we don't want to listen to authority? Well, we don't want their head to get bigger. We don't want them to think too highly of themselves. I mean, if I start listening to them, they're going to think that they're God's gift to me. I don't, I can't, can't get them all big and huffy. God said it's not for them. You're not listening to authority for them. It's for my sake. See, I'm ultimately in control. And when you listen to your authority, you honor me and, and, and acknowledge I am in control of everything. 
And what I allow will be allowed, and what I stop will be stopped. For the Lord's sake, not for the authority's sake. So when we shift that, shift that perspective just a little bit, it's for God's sake, not for ours. That that right there, that's amazing. It says, um, simple. Yep. And then slaves submitting themselves to the master for God's sake, for, for, to honor God. It's freeing. We talked a little bit about this. You aren't responsible for the outcomes if your authority is in charge. And you can think everybody is under somebody. Everybody has an authority in your life somewhere. We talked about this. And uh, 1 Peter 3 says husbands are an authority in the home. 1 Peter 5 says pastors are an authority. Everybody's under somebody. When you figure out what part is your responsibility, because you're going to have something responsibility that you're in charge of, that you need to make sure goes well. But when you figure out what's not your responsibility, you start throwing it up. I'll do what you say. What do you want to do? And they're responsible for the outcome. As soon as you start doing that, they're probably going to elicit your feedback when they realize that you'll do what they're going to say. Now they want to make the best decision. So it's freeing. It's freeing. It takes the power and control out of it. You're really seeking the best result, oftentimes. You are writing two stories. You're writing two stories. At all times, you're writing two stories with your life. Disobedience and dishonor just don't read well. They just don't. You're writing two stories. One is the story that's going to be passed on. People are going to pass on stories. You're going to pass on stories to kids and friends. <coughs> David knew this. David, our King David, he knew this. David led a crazy life. <laughs> he was anointed a king at 13. They said, at 13 years old, you're going to be king. Was he king at 13? He waited until he was 30 to actually become king. Um, So he goes to this crazy life where he serves under Saul. Saul was the king, and David serves under Saul. He knew the story. David knew he was supposed to be king. Everyone knew David's going to be king. Saul starts to get jealous. Saul's the authority. Saul's in charge. He's the king. Starts to get jealous of David's success. So it got really contentious between the two, and to the point where Saul says, I just want to kill you. And so this, was, this, this, this became uh, revealed to David. David flees the country. Ah, my life's in danger. David's out there with, with uh, his mighty men, and they hear Saul's coming. The guy who wants to kill David's coming. So they hide. They get back in this cave. They get back, 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 back. And wouldn't you know, Saul stops. The king, who's in authority, stops at the cave. Goes in to use the bathroom. And the men... David's men said, now is the time. Take it. You're destined to be king. You kill him. Come out with his head and tell everybody that you defeated Saul. Now, do it now. So David doesn't. He sneaks up behind the king and cuts a piece of his robe off. I don't know how bathrooms work back then. I don't know how you can do that. Like, if someone's chopping away my pants, I would know. But... Apparently, Saul didn't know, so he cuts a piece of his robe. But as David is cutting off the robe, his conscience is hit. He goes, I should not be dishonoring the king this way. 
There's one thing about David that I love is David always knew God was in charge. He always knew God was the ultimate authority, and he knew he didn't have to kill Saul or even disrespect Saul to get the position. So he cuts a piece of the robe off, and Saul leaves. And then David, whose life is in danger, says, all right, here we go. And this is all uh, 1 Samuel chapter 24. He goes out. He says, Saul, you're looking for me. And by the way, and goes on this speech, like, I could have killed you, and I didn't. I've done nothing but good to you, and you do nothing but evil to me. And in my mind, because he pushed himself right out there to be killed, he was almost saying, go ahead. Have your way. But I want you to know that I have honored you. And Saul breaks down. At this moment, Saul breaks down, and he says, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm doing the wrong thing. The authority breaks down. And he says, all right, we're not, and he doesn't kill him, and they go their separate ways. David knew that his life was anointed. He knew he was writing a story, and he didn't want that story to read, and I killed him in the cave, and I took it, and I dishonored my authority. He didn't want it to read that way. He knew someday he would be king, and he didn't want, his, he didn't want to get it turned on him. Later, Saul was in, it was in battle and was killed by an arrow. And when Saul died, David became king. That reads much better. That reads way better. It took time. It took patience. And it took David saying, I have no control. Lord, you are in control. Go ahead. Have your way. Second story you are writing. The one for all eternity. What you do on this earth matters for all of eternity. When you listen and you honor your authorities, God is noting it. And he's rewarding you for eternity. Forget about the rewards here. Forget about success here. Forget about positions here. Forget about whatever accolades come from here. All of eternity Guys, do you think there's going to be positions of authority in eternity? I guarantee you. All of the kingdom is ordered. The angels are ordered. He created order. There's going to be order in eternity. Forget about vying for a position now. I want to vie for a position later. I want rewards later. That seems much better. And so your decisions here now might seem about you. I know for me, it's me. It seems about me and my pride and how I look and I want to look the most right and I want people to follow me. And I, by the way, I don't want to do it. He said, forget about that. Give it all up for eternity. Makes so much sense. Last one, then we're going to go. When you listen and honor authority, you can be certain you are in the midst of remodeling. The order was put in place for a reason. We respond this way for a reason. The world is not as it should be, and God's fixing it. God's renovating. God's remodeling. Every time you listen and honor authority, you feel that not every time, but when it's hard. If, you're, if your boss says to go take off work early, you're like, yay, yay, great boss, amazing. We're talking about the tough times, times we don't agree. 
times when it's contentious. Every time you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to listen to what they say, and I'm going to even honor them with my lips and my heart. There's a part of you that's like, oh, I had to give something up for that. I had to like uproot something for that. That was painful. For me, almost all the time, it's pride, it's selfishness, it's conceit. Control, that's a big one. I really want control. And every time I listen and say, oh, this is starting to feel painful. I can guarantee you when you're listening and honoring your earthly authorities, you are listening and honoring God and you're remodeling, renovating your life. And it's not going to end till we die. It's not like you're going to figure it out. It's going to be tough till the end. But I can guarantee that for you. And so as, I'm, as, a, as I am preaching this message, tons of people are coming to your mind, I'm sure. We're not at a lack for people to say, I need to listen to them. I need to let them know that I'm willing to listen to them. I need to honor them more. I'm sure. How about we take a moment? Let's bow our heads. And in this moment, if you don't have someone that popped in your mind, ask God to bring somebody to your mind. Maybe you figured it out. Maybe you got honoring and listening down. Ask God how you can be an example. Ask God how you can encourage those in authority. Ask God how you can publicly honor them. But for for the rest of us who have a long way to go, as we think about that name, I just want you to take a moment and ask God what he would have you do. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have heard our struggle. You've heard these names. Your word is clear. God, you gave us two instructions. Listen and honor. Not hard. Could it be that it's hard to follow those two things? Because outside of you, we can't even do those two. You knew that we needed a reliance, a dependence, and a trust in you. God, I pray that you would work mightily through those who are committing names and relationships to you that they need to listen to, they need to honor. God, I pray that you would be so good to speak to them, so good to comfort them, so good to let them know that, 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 that this is normal, this is a part of the process. The struggle is very real. God, would you lay your hand on their heart? Giving them the words, giving them the peace, giving them the vision for how that they can honor their authorities and in so honor you. God, we recognize that without you, this is just not possible. Please work in a way that brings you glory. In your name, amen. 
Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.